0: Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia de And we wanted to take a second to shout out everyone who has ordered from our store in the past couple weeks after our major shop update. We're so happy you're enjoying our sticker sheets and die-cut stickers. And just thank you all so much for your support. We've sold out of, I think... Two out of four of the grocery designs, which is amazing. And yeah, we still have a lot of die cut stickers and a lot of really cool different designs that Olivia made. So if any of you are interested in checking our stuff out, you can find our merch store at etsy.com shop slash beyond blathers.
1: Yeah, thank you. So on today's episode, we are talking about fleas.
0: Yeah, I'm excited for this. It's not it's not like the most glamorous episode, but I do feel like it's kind of overdue because the fleas in the game are just sort of uh, are just sort of a fun addition to the game, I think. The way that they are on the villagers and then you have to like help them <laughs> and everything. Yeah. It's cute. So, yeah, I'm excited to talk about it.
1: Yeah, it's something like, I don't know. I feel like a flea is such a like common thing to talk about just like in culture. But like, how often do we actually like think about fleas? I think we only just think about like their diseases and stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know anything about their biology. I just know about like, you know, when I had my childhood dog and we would have to give her like flea medication and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I should also mention like I'm not going to talk a large amount about diseases because I don't know what I'm talking about. So I'm going to avoid talking about that. We're going to talk about the biology of fleas more so today.
0: Yeah, I think that'll be cool. I guess let's look at what Blathers has to say, although I can't imagine that he'll have anything good to share about the flea. But let's see what he says. So if you bring a flea to Blathers, he'll say, Allow me to be blunt. The flea is foul. It is also disgusting, (laughs) repugnant, and vile. Who? but I digress. This horrid pest sucks the blood of humans and animals. In fact, it is the flea's own saliva that makes us itch. And did you know their legs are so strong, they can jump more than 50 times their body length? So you see, it's all too easy for a flea to jump from you to me. I itch at the very thought.
1: I'm offended that Blather seems to think I have fleas. It's like, what about from you to me? I don't know.
0: (laughs) Blathers has fleas. Confirmed. Yeah, I kind of forgot that the big flea thing is that they they really jump.
1: Yeah, and like they can they can jump really far like Lather said. It's they're really interesting in terms of how they're constructed. Like I I actually don't think I've seen a live flea ever. Like I I really don't think it's ever happened. Like have you seen a, a live flea?
0: Not like up close, I don't know. I'm trying to think whether my dog ever actually had fleas i don't know yeah i i i don't i haven't memorably which i you know knock on wood
1: yeah i don't <laughs> think so either and like i'm sure most of our listeners maybe probably don't want to ever have to see a flea if they haven't already so let's talk about what they look like fleas are usually kind of dark colored insects that can be between like one to three millimeters long, depending on the species, but generally they're very small. And their whole body is really perfectly adapted to be a parasite. If you looked at a flea head-on, you'd probably notice that it looks a little bit like it's been trapped sideways in a sandwich press, and so they just look like very squished along the sides. And that is so that they can crawl around a furry host, And they don't get sort of, like, they can just sort of slip between hairs really easily. So that's Um. why they're compressed on the sides. They also don't have wings, despite being insects. Although, of course, probably their ancestors had wings. But yeah, they don't need them. Instead, they get around with those really, really strong, long legs that they use for jumping. And on the tips of their legs, they have these hook-like structures that help them hold on, even if they're jostled around, And if you look at a picture of them, you will also probably notice that they have these rear-facing pokey hairs and spines. And that's so that if you try and remove a flea, these hairs make it quite sticky like a burr. And it'll basically get caught on every little hair it comes into contact with. So it's really hard to remove. And then even if you manage to get out the flea from your pet's fur, you can't just squish them because they're really difficult to squish. They've got this strong exoskeleton made up of overlapping armor pieces called sclerites. So all in all, they're really impressive little creatures who, despite their size, have have really killed like millions of humans. They're a a fascinating creature and also devastating.
0: Wow, that's so interesting. I did not realize I guess as we talked about yeah I I don't think I've ever tried to squish a flea this is actually making me think quite a bit about lice as well because I just read this really powerful essay by Alicia Elliott where she talks about growing up and having lice as a as a child like living in poverty oh for for most of her childhood and like how her family would have like lice outbreaks and just would never be able to get rid of them and so there were just very vivid descriptions in there of, like, them picking, like, the lice out of each other's hair and squishing them and stuff like that. But, yeah, I guess you can't really do that with fleas.
1: Yeah, it seems like with fleas, they're just, they're like, they're ready for you to try and squish them. They're like,
0: mm-mm, I, I know how to get out of your fingers. Yeah, and then what you said about having killed millions of humans because they were the actual culprits behind the Black Plague, right?
1: Yeah, so from approximately 1346 to 1353, medieval Europe was just filled with plague. I'm sure most of you have heard the stories and seen like the crow plague masks, if not before the pandemic, certainly by now. And you've probably heard that initially rats were blamed for the outbreak of the plague, when in reality, this is like rats were the red herring unfairly blamed for the crime when like the real A was still out there, like hadn't been captured. So yeah, it was the fleas. And they were transmitting the plague bacterium, which was called Yersinia pestis. And they were transmitting that in their saliva. And because Europe is particularly ratty, fleas ended up jumping onto human hosts and, you know, giving them that kiss of death. And then the plague could also be spread through the air as well. So once one person had been bitten, got the plague, it wasn't just fleas giving it to every single person. It was also an aerially distributed <laughs> disease, if that's the right word. But yeah, it was pretty devastating. The bubonic plague killed between 30 to 60% of Europe and a third of the Middle East, which is astonishing.
0: It's Yeah, it's unimaginable. And how exactly do they bite? Is it sort of like a mouth parts sucking kind of thing? Or do they actually like have little jaws? I don't know. How it <laughs> <looks>. <laughs>
1: yeah. So if you look at their mouth parts, There's sort of three twiggy straw looking things sticking out. So if we focus on those sort of two outer straws, let's call them, those are the maxillary lacinae, and they're basically shaped like knife blades. They cut through the skin of their host, while the third middle straw, which is called the medium epipharynx, and this thing will sort of poke through the the cut hole. And then through that middle straw that's now been stuck into the body of the host, it'll pump an anticoagulant saliva into the body of the host. And that helps prevent the the blood from coagulating and and helps the, the blood flow more easily into the flea. And then they'll also do this sort of pumping action with their body to help pump that blood out of the host. Now, that flea saliva has a protein in it, and that protein is what causes the itching. So it's basically our body having an allergic reaction to the protein. And it's a similar reason that we find mosquito bites itchy.
0: Wow, that was a visceral description. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> the, the like, knife blades and the, the pumping and stuff. Oof. I mean, yeah. I'm glad that they're so small. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they are very tiny, yeah.
0: And... I guess we, we talked a bit about the jumping. How are they able to jump so easily and so high?
1: They have their really long legs. And at the base of those long legs is this sort of rubbery pad. So these are sort of the pieces that help them to jump. But in terms of the mechanism, if you like to imagine those flea legs, they want to be straight. Like for humans, if we crunch our legs up, they're really comfortable just sort of sitting there, crunched up versus like, like they're not going to spring out again. But that's not the case with the fleas. Like if they bend their legs, their legs want to just like pop back open. So with that in mind, basically when a flea is preparing to jump, it'll squeeze its legs and it'll also squeeze its entire body and that rubbery pad to build up the pressure. It all just gets all squished. And then there's a tendon that'll hold the leg in, kind of hold it in place like it's sort of like a hook And when the tendon is released, the leg, with all of that built up energy, will fly back, fly open, and it'll send the flea launching forward. So it's basically like a slingshot. And with that, fleas can jump 7 inches up or 13 inches forward, which doesn't sound all that impressive. But if humans could jump an equivalent distance, that would be like me jumping across a FIFA soccer field and then even like a bit more than that in one bound.
0: Wow. I mean, you can see why it's so easy for them to latch on to like dogs and cats and everything. Oh yeah, totally. They're just at the perfect height <laughs> and they're so fluffy.
1: They are. There's so much hair to grab onto.
0: Yeah. Wow, I mean that is that is a pretty impressive adaptation. They tried to put me on the cover of Vogue, but my legs but were my too legs long. were too long. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I guess talking about taxonomy a bit. Obviously, fleas are insects, but you said that they they lack wings. What are they related to? They really look so different from other insects, and are they related to other parasites, or
1: yeah, it's such a weird thing. Like I actually didn't know this until I looked it up, but it looks like a very long time ago, if we look at their genes, they shared a common ancestor with the scorpion flies, otherwise known as the macoptera so most people probably don't know what these flies are. They're very strange looking insects that got their name from the male's enlarged genitalia that are at the base of their body. And they kind of hold it over their back in this very scorpion-like way, which is why they're called the scorpion flies. But the oddities don't end there. Their face has these elongated mouth parts called a rostrum. And it, may- it looks a little bit like a downward facing snout. It's very odd. And I should also mention the family Boreidae within the Macoptera are called the snow scorpions. And they're a group within the scorpion flies that are one of the few insects that I've seen wandering around in the winter. And they live in this very slim area of warm air just above the snow and below the cold wind. So if you're ever skiing or snowshoeing or whatever, take a look at like some snow. And if you see something slowly walking around like a dark shaped thing, if you go really close, it might be a snow
0: scorpion, which is really cool. Snow scorpion is such a cool name.
1: Yeah, that's what I call them. I think they have quite a few different names, but I love the name. I think it's super fun. And they're not very big, uh, at least the ones I've seen.
0: It sounds like it should be in like a fantasy novel or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, snow scorpion. Ooh, that could be so scary. Yeah. If it, it, if it was white, so it would camouflage in the snow.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh.
1: Ooh, I love that. I hate it, but I love it. <laughs> anyway, I'm getting lost in the story of this, uh, the scorpion flies. They're very cool, but essentially fleas are considered their own order of bugs called the siphonaptera, and that word means wingless tube in Greek, which is... <laughs> I like actually love seeing these definitions sometimes. I think they're very funny. But even though they're their own order, they might be nested within the family tree of the other order, these macoptera, making this a paraphyletic order, which is essentially a family tree that doesn't quite fit our like silly little taxonomic rules. The other thing is that maybe fleas are like a sister taxa, so they're not nested within this group, but they're more like sitting adjacent to it. It's Kind of up for debate, but essentially they're related and that's what we currently think. And whatever the case, fleas have been here on Earth a very long time. Early fleas were likely plant feeders, much like the true bugs that we've talked about on the show. Bugs like leafhoppers and aphids and cicadas. They would sort of use that tube instead of sucking up blood, they would use it to suck up the juices of a plant. So that was probably the ancestors of today's fleas. And fossils from the Middle Jurassic to Early Cretaceous have been found throughout China, Russia, and Australia of early fleas or things that look like early fleas. If we look at some of the fossils of those early fleas from the Middle Jurassic and Early Cretaceous of China, they are significantly bigger than fleas today. In fact, they're actually called giant fleas, and they were really big, with females getting as large as 20 millimeters, which still sounds small, but that's like the size of a bumblebee. That's pretty big. Wow. Mammals from around this time were also relatively small compared with the large megafauna we have today. A paper I read suggested that the large size of these fleas seems really unnecessary and, like, counterintuitive to feeding on small mammals. So maybe they were ectoparasites of dinosaurs or even pterosaurs. But before we get too excited about this, this research is not agreed on. (laughs) So some have claimed that this whole idea of dinosaur fleas is merely about the probability of them feeding on these hosts and that it's not really like, like there's not enough evidence to really prove that. Some say that like these early fossilized fleas don't actually check the boxes of various physical features of fleas that would confirm that these are in fact early fleas and not just something that looks like a flea. So they might just be sort of showing convergent traits with fleas, but could be a different bug entirely. Plus... Even if they are stem fleas, it's possible that while they featured similar mouthparts to blood-sucking fleas, similar mouthparts could have also been used to eat plants or even drink the blood of other bugs, so the hemolymph. So yeah, it's kind of controversial, but it's really cool that we have these flea-like fossils from so long ago.
0: Yeah, it's, it's cool to think about like bumblebee-sized fleas feeding on dinosaurs and pterosaurs like that's a cool image
1: yeah and undoubtedly there would have been parasites feeding on pterosaurs and dinosaurs even so like I have no doubt in my mind about that and that's a cool concept too
0: yeah I didn't even think about parasites on dinosaurs so interesting dinosaurs they're just like us they're just like us (laughs) and so nowadays if we're talking about contemporary fleas Who are their hosts? I guess I always hear about them in sort of the context of, yeah, people, cats and dogs, I guess rats. Is it sort of just any mammals? Yeah, so
1: fleas are typically parasites of mammals, but they will also parasitize birds. And they tend not to be super picky about their hosts. They do tend to have some specializations, but They're not going to turn down a good blood meal. So, for example, while fleas like the cat flea is more specialized to cats, they will still jump to a human host and feed. So you're not safe if your cat has fleas. This is in contrast to lice, which tend to be very host specific. So if your dog has lice, it's probably dog lice, not human lice. So you're probably fine. Still want to get that checked out, but... (laughs) (laughs) It's thought also that fleas probably started out as being parasites to mammals and eventually moved on to birds. So birds were like, okay, for a little while, and then unfortunately had to do with a, a new problem. There are even families of fleas that are specialized to very specific groups of mammals. There's a group that specializes on armadillos. There's one that specializes on elephant shrews and one on bats. Wow, that's very specific. I also wanted to mention like Kind of going back to the bubonic plague, ground squirrels are very notorious for harboring bubonic plague Oh, because I I can't remember what it is, but I think they either encounter fleas more often or just like there's like a strain of bubonic plague that's quite common among ground squirrels. And so if you are a ground squirrels biologist, you actually have to be really, really careful ground squirrels because you will likely get exposed to bubonic plague and I knew I sort of I'm two degrees separated from a scientist I guess who I'd heard got bubonic plague and thought it was just like a flu or something and he went to the doctor and the doctor was like what <laughs> why do you have this yeah. so anyway they were fine but yeah
0: that's intense the dedication that some people have to their like study species is pretty cool oh yeah it's it's very, uh, yeah,
1: very dedicated, <laughs> willing to get the plague. Now, before we end the episode, I did also want to talk about one last type of flea that I'd heard of, but hadn't realized was actually part of the same order as fleas. And it's called the chigo flea. I think that's how to pronounce it. Or um, it's also sometimes called the jigger. Like if you hear like a jigger um. infestation. This flea is a type of sand flea that is originally from South, sort of Central America and the West Indies, but it's now been spread throughout the tropics and the subtropics around the world. Jigger fleas may look a bit like other fleas, but they have a very different way of life. The fleas we were talking about before, so non-jigger fleas, the way they usually live is the females will be on their host and they will get all engorged with eggs and they'll sort of drop eggs down, usually into the nest of their host. So if they're on a bird or if they're in a den of some like large mammal, that's usually where their eggs are going to be laid and where they're going to develop. And those larvae will usually eat They could eat all kinds of things. They could eat just like you know whatever organic stuffs on the ground. They might prey on other invertebrates around them. They might even eat the like fecal matter of the fleas, like their mother or father flea on the host. They're like these like blood feces. It's super gross. I'm sorry to say that those words, but that's (laughs) that's how it is. And uh, yeah, and then when they when they Become adults, they will then hop onto the host um, because they're conveniently in the nest. And that's how an infestation on a mammal can get worse. But in the case of the jigger fleas, they are laying their eggs in the soil and then the, um, the larva will hatch in the soil and eat organic matter there. Eventually when they become adults, they will crawl up and out of the soil and jump onto a nearby mammal. And often this is the foot of a human. So the female fleas of the jiggers will burrow into the body of the host, and they'll leave their back end exposed for egg laying, for, you know, excreting their feces, that sort of thing. Now, the swelling that's caused by a jigger can actually grow to the size of a pea, and not only is this uncomfortable, but it can result in some very serious infections in the host's foot, or wherever they're implanted. And this can result in the formation of abscesses, the death of tissues, and... Also, rot of tissues. It can also increase the likelihood of the host getting tetanus. So, there's all sorts of problems that occur with this, and it becomes an infestation. And it's a serious public health concern because, in the places where jiggers are most likely to find the foot of a human host, there's usually less available public health care to safely remove the jigger with sanitized tools. And if the jigger is removed with unsanitized tools, it only increases the risk of infection. There's also a big socioeconomic factor to this because those who are most likely to get jiggers in their feet are those living in homes with earthen floors. So, yeah, it's a it's a real public health issue. And I did want to talk about them because they are also fleas.
0: Wow, that's that sounds awful. I've never I'd never heard of that, but it sounds so horrible and uncomfortable and, you know, dangerous yeah, yeah. And like,
1: I wouldn't recommend searching up jiggers um, <laughs> unless you're like ready to see some pretty, some pretty rough photos of, of what an infestation like that looks like. It can pr- get pretty bad. So yeah, I'm really grateful that
0: I've never experienced this. It sounds me really too. rough. Yeah, makes me feel lucky to just, yeah, have normal fleas, I guess. <laughs> Not that Even I currently have, please. <laughs> Not to out myself, please. <laughs> uh, you know, let that cat, that really cute cat, come in. <laughs> oh my god, yeah, my my neighbor cat. I'm sure that that people have heard meowing in in past episodes. Yeah, I and hope she's she so have fleas. Cross our fingers. Yeah.
1: Ultimately, I did want to sort of let people know if you are interested in learning more about insect porn diseases and stuff. I'm not an expert, but I love this podcast called This Podcast Will Kill You, and I like to recommend it to people. It's a deep dive into epidemiology. They talk about the history of all kinds of diseases and different, they talk a lot about like ticks and yeah, fleas and stuff. So if you wanted to check that out, that's This Podcast Will Kill You. And they have two episodes on the Black Death. The first one is called Plague Part One, the GMOA like the goat but like with an m uh the greatest mortality of all time and so if you want to listen to that and learn a little bit more about the epidemiology angle on this whole story it's very interesting the hosts are epidemiologists and also disease ecologists so they know a lot about bugs and insect-borne pathogens so yeah i always like to recommend that to people
0: amazing yeah well thank you so much olivia for for talking to us about fleas That was like I think that was quite a bit different than some of our episodes. It was almost scarier. It's like a spookier. Yeah, episode. sorry to
1: scare you all. I didn't get that deep into it because I was getting really grossed out. I was like,
0: yeah, mm. that's fair. That's that's very fair. This is freaking me out. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Livia. and thanks everyone for listening. We also wanted to say that we're hoping to have some more guests on the podcast coming up, and if you know of anyone, like maybe you've heard them on another podcast or. You follow them on science twitter or tiktok or something like that who's an expert on a certain animal that you'd like to hear about or something like reach out to us with a suggestion obviously you can suggest animals to us in general we're always really open to that um and happy to hear your suggestions but also if you have suggestions for guests let us know because yeah we're we'd love to connect with some more people coming up so yeah and you can follow us and reach out to us on instagram and twitter at beyond blathers and check out our tiktok at beyond underscore blathers
1: and if you'd like to support the show take a look at our shop update at etsy.com shop slash beyond
0: blathers tune in next week to learn more about the insects fish and fossils you can find in animal crossing new horizons bye bye